In 2009, a 70-year-old Japanese female presented at the Tokyo Metropolitan Hospital with otitis externa. The discharge from her ear led to a discovery of a new species of candida that had previously remained unidentified. This organism had the ability to grow in the presence of commonly used antifungal agents, including azoles and echinocandins, and was frequently misidentified as a different species of yeast. Whole genome sequencing led to the discovery of this highly multi-drug resistant strain of candida, termed candida auris, for its discovery within the ear canal. Over the last decade, this organism has been increasingly identified worldwide and now represents a major hospital-acquired invasive infection with high morbidity and mortality rates. Despite this new discovery, candida species are an ancient organism that represent one of the most common human colonizer and pathogens responsible for both benign and highly invasive infections. Today, our patient has candidemia, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled Candidemia, the Fungus Among Us. Time for a minute microbiology. Fungi that cause human infection are classically divided based on morphology to dimorphic fungi, such as histoplasma, molds like aspergillus, and yeast. Candida species belong to the latter group and are classified as small unicellular yeasts. Candida is found ubiquitously within the environment in soil, vegetation, on inanimate objects, and increasingly within the hospital environment. There are over 30 species of candida that are implicated in human disease, with candida albicans being the most common yeast infection. However, changes in healthcare practices over the last several decades has led to the increasing prevalence of non-albicans pathogens, including candida tropicalis, glabrata, Cruzi and Parasopolis, to name a few. Increasingly, antifungal-resistant species such as Candida auris are also becoming a major healthcare challenge around the globe. In most healthy individuals, Candida is typically found as a colonizer within the oropharynx, gastrointestinal tract, genital urinary system, and skin. Under certain circumstances, such as immune compromise or prolonged antibiotic usage, Candida can become pathogenic. It can cause a spectrum of human infections, ranging from benign conditions such as oropharyngeal candidiasis or thrush, candida vulvovaginitis or balanitis, esophagitis, to more invasive bloodstream infections termed candidemia, which will be the focus of our discussion going forward. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic microbiology, let's talk about the approach to candidemia. Your first step in any patient encounter will be to assess whether your patient is stable or not. What is their GCS? Are their ABCs stable? What are their vitals? Importantly, as the focus of our discussion is on candidemia and invasive infections, these patients can be unstable and often in the critical care setting, warranting early resuscitation. Once your patient is stable, you can move forward with your assessment. When approaching candidemia on your history and physical exam, it is important to determine where the infection may be coming from, i.e. the source of entry, and where it may be going via the bloodstream, i.e. the metastatic sites of dissemination. Common portals of entry of candida in the bloodstream include the skin and GI tract, and rarely the pulmonary or genitourinary tract. On history, it is important to ask about predisposing risk factors, including prior candida infections or colonization, 
recent use of broad-spectrum antibiotics, and any conditions that result in skin or mucosal breakdown, such as trauma, burns, intravenous drug use, surgeries, particularly intra-abdominal procedures, hemodialysis, and TPN therapy. Pay particular attention to immune-compromising medications such as chemotherapy or glucocorticoid use, as well as diseases such as hematologic malignancies and solid organ transplantation. Last, but certainly not least, make sure to clearly identify and document all iatrogenic vascular access, foreign materials including heart valves and joint prostheses, as well as urinary catheters. Next, to determine the potential areas of invasive candida infection, a head-to-toe approach to history and exam is helpful. As candida spreads throughout the body, highly vascularized structures such as the eyes, CNS, heart, skin, liver, spleen, and joints are potential sites of seeding. It is important to ask about changes in visual acuity and undertake a thorough retinal exam to address for endophthalmitis. Along the same line, signs of meningismus, including fever, stiff neck, altered mental status, and headache should be assessed, and a thorough neurologic exam should be documented. Candida endocarditis is most commonly seen in patients who use intravenous drugs and patients with prosthetic heart valves. The presentation can be similar to bacterial endocarditis, but with a greater risk of embolization. As a result, it is critical to assess for new murmurs and identify any evidence of stigmata of infective endocarditis. Similarly, examine all joints for any evidence of septic arthritis, as candida can frequently infect the vertebrae in adults and long bones in children, both through direct inoculation and as an embolic phenomenon. Lastly, undertake a thorough abdominal exam, as the abdomen is not only a frequent source of candidemia, but also a nidus of seeding, both in intra-abdominal fluid collections and through infection of the liver, spleen, and kidneys. Ultimately, one should have a low threshold for investigating candidemia in any patient within the right clinical context and with noted risk factors, who presents with clinical evidence of sepsis or septic shock. As in any workup of sepsis, it is important to order baseline blood work, including CBC with differential, electrolytes, creatinine, liver function tests, and lipase, as invasive candidemia can involve multiple organs, as noted previously. For this specific diagnosis of candidemia, blood culture remains the gold standard and the only diagnostic approach that allows subsequent drug susceptibility testing. As a result, it is critical to send two or more sets of blood cultures from all central venous catheters, arterial lines, and peripheral intravenous sites. If blood cultures are positive for candida infection, it is also recommended that cultures be repeated every 24 to 48 hours to document clearance of infection. It is important to note, however, that blood cultures can be insensitive, with studies reporting sensitivity in the range of around 50%. As a result, a negative blood culture in the right clinical context does not exclude candidemia, and empiric therapy may still be warranted. Further diagnostic studies such as chest x-ray, CT abdomen, CT head, and sampling of sterile sites such as peritoneum, CSF, and joints are guided based on clinical suspicion of invasive infection, determined by history and physical examination. An echocardiogram is not indicated in all patients with candidemia. However, if there is a failure of blood culture clearance after 48 hours of appropriate therapy and or clinical signs of infective endocarditis, an echocardiogram should be performed. In all new cases of candidemia, an infectious disease consultation is warranted as the mortality rate can range from 30 to 60 percent. 
and early infectious disease consultation can significantly reduce the 90-day mortality from 51% to 29%. The approach to management of candidemia can be divided into adjunctive and pharmacologic measures. On the adjunctive side, patients who are blood culture positive for yeast or candida should have all central vascular catheters removed as early as safely possible and should be initiated urgently on empiric antifungal therapy. In addition, all patients with candidemia should receive a dilated retinal examination by ophthalmology to rule out candida and ophthalmitis. For pharmacologic management of candidemia, there are three commonly used classes of antifungal agents that act by inhibiting fungal cell wall synthesis or disruption of membrane integrity. The azoles, such as fluconazole, inhibit ergosterol synthesis. The echinocandin, such as capsofungin, inhibit 1,3-beta-D-glucan synthesis. And polyenes, such as amphotericin B, bind membrane ergosterol and create pores resulting in membrane instability and cell death. Candida albicans is largely sensitive to azoles. However, an increasing number of azole-resistant albican species, as well as non-albican species such as Candida cruzi and glabrata, are becoming prevalent within the healthcare setting. As a result, the current recommendations of empiric therapy as per IDSA guidelines is to initiate an echinocandin as empiric therapy until speciation and susceptibility studies are available. Use of azoles as empiric therapy is appropriate only in those who are not critically ill, are not neutropenic, and who are considered unlikely to have a fluconazole-resistant organism. Nevertheless, testing for azole susceptibility is recommended for all bloodstream isolates of candida to help guide further narrowing of therapy as soon as possible. As noted previously, it is important to repeat blood cultures every 24 to 48 hours to ensure appropriate clearance of candidemia. The recommended duration of therapy for candidemia without obvious metastatic complications is two weeks from first documented negative blood culture and resolution of symptoms attributable to candidemia. In neutropenic patients with candidemia, therapy is often continued beyond two weeks until recovery of the neutrophil count is noted. In patients with candidemia secondary to deep-seated infection or dissemination of infection to metastatic sites, a case-specific approach should be taken, and an infectious disease specialist should be involved in directing the choice and duration of therapy. Surgical subspecialties should also be involved in specific cases such as candida endocarditis, and ophthalmitis, or osteomyelitis. The major take-home message is that candidemia can be a highly invasive infectious disease in which early consultation, symptom-driven diagnostic testing, and empiric management is strongly recommended. Did you know Saccharomyces cerevisiae, commonly known as brewer's or baker's yeast, belongs to the same family as candida in the taxonomic classification system? This is where the similarity ends, however, as these organisms diverged 800 to 1,000 million years ago and have had a markedly different impact on human society. This episode was written by Dr. Nishal Raghunath, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Zain Chagla, infectious disease specialist, and Dr. Leslie Martin, general internist. 
The Internet Works series was created by Alison Lai, developed by Zara Morali and Leah Karanopoulos. This podcast was produced and recorded by Zara Morali. Music production by Laxmans of Anthem Mohan. Please check out our website, www.theinternetwork.com, for an associated infographic on Canademia. We love reading all your emails with feedback about the series, but please consider also rating and reviewing us on your preferred podcast platform so that we can share our episodes with even more trainees. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon.